0: Good morning and welcome to Sunday service in our beautiful Yogananda Amphitheater at Ananda Village. I'd like to welcome all of our guests and visitors at the Expanding Light and also those of us who are joining us online. My name is Latika and Swami Devarshi and I are very happy to share Sunday service with you this morning. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light, weekly commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible by Swami Kriyananda. This week's topic is, How Democratic is Truth? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. We live in an age when people assume that knowledge should be available equally to all. In matters susceptible of judgment by normal common sense, however, everyone knows there are exceptions. Access to a control room for intercontinental missiles is limited, by universal consent, to a very few. Access to the controls of a passenger airliner is limited to those with the necessary knowledge for operating them, and also to those with proper authorization. If people don't see the disadvantages of making more subtle knowledge universally available, it is only because they are ignorant of the risks involved. In the case of subtle knowledge, the main disadvantage in making it universally available is the harm it might do to one who isn't ready for it, and who might even mock it. True, by mocking truth he might undermine the faith of a few truth-seekers, But then such tests can also be beneficial as a means of strengthening faith. Again true, the clever doubter's misrepresentation of those truths may dissuade a few seekers from following the spiritual path. But if a seeker really is sincere, he will recognize the truth eventually because it resonates with his own being. No, the greatest problem accrues to the shallow doubter himself to give him an opportunity to affirm his ignorance might only estrange him even more from the truth, delaying the time when he would turn, as all people must eventually, to the light. Thus the scriptures advise not secrecy, but discretion in the sharing of truth. Jesus Christ says in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, Give not that which is holy unto dogs... Neither neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. And Sri Krishna says in the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Never speak of these truths to one who is without self-control or devotion, who renders no service, who does not care to hear, or who speaks ill of me. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Aum, Aum, Aum.
1: I would also like to welcome everyone on this beautiful summer day. This is a reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda. With folded hands, bowed head, and heart laden with the myrrh of reverence, I come to thee. Thou art my parents. I am thy child. Thou art the master. I am ready to obey the silent command of thy voice. I conjured the fragrant devotion of all hearts and mixed it with my tears. Now I am eager to wash thy feet in silence. A river of my ardent crystal tears of craving rushes forth to meet thee. Wilt thou see that my boisterous flood of devotion be not lost in the desert of disappointment? Wilt thou see that my mad flood of devotion follow always the right course which leads to thee? Omen. Amen. the topic today. At first glance it sounds like it's more advice talking about those who are being compared to spiritual swine, nothing against pigs, Mm -hmm. but those who are unworthy to receive certain teachings. The very wise minister here and friend, in a moment of great wisdom said something very wise, which was that watch how we listen to spiritual teachings when we read them, when we hear them, and watch your, our reaction. And she said, watch to see whether you apply it to that person in your office who, if they only heard this, it would really help them, or whether we apply it to ourself. And with this reading, it's understandable that we would be thinking of others. But in fact, especially the words of Krishna at the end of this reading, is really deep and true spiritual advice for all devotees. What he does is he gives five qualities that when you look at them over the years living at Ananda, as Swami Kriyananda would like to say often, Ananda is a great laboratory. And you get to see this great experiment of people applying different attitudes, different teachings in their lives and seeing how they work. And these five qualities that Krishna talks about are what I think many of us have seen over the years are what I call deal breakers on the spiritual path. Because they, in a sense, when we come on the spiritual path, even though we aren't doing it consciously, we're in a way signing a contract. And whether it's the fine print or some of the clauses, there are certain things that if we really, really do really, really badly, then it breaks the deal. And we've seen this over the years. It can cause people to just leave the spiritual path altogether. And so Krishna gives us his advice, but he's really also describing five positive qualities that we can develop and work on. The first one I'll talk about is that these teachings are not to be given to those who speak ill of me. And this, again, we've seen people who are cynical, negative, who speak negatively of spiritual teachings, of teachers, and just generally negative. It creates a downward spiral that goes downhill and pulls people even away from the spiritual path. Krishna, just almost to, uh, to show that these qualities he's talking about are actually qualities to develop, the very next stanza that he, in the Bhagavad Gita after this one, he describes the positive antidote and the opposite of this first one. He says, Whosoever will with supreme devotion impart this supreme secret knowledge to my devotees, shall without a doubt come to me. No one among men performs a more priceless service to me. And so, watch what we think, watch what we say. It can again cause us to go into a negative spiral. And the antidote again is the positive one. Talk positively about these things. The second one, those who don't hear, those who don't listen. When we hear spiritual teachings... Luckily, you didn't say that we could not cast pearls before cats, so (laughs) those of you who are watching on the internet, a cat came across the stage here. Those who do not listen, when we take spiritual teachings, take them with due reverence and really understand that when a great master gives us a spiritual teaching, that these are very sacred. I think sometimes there's a tendency, and I have seen it myself over the years with things that Swami Kriyananda has said or Yogananda has said, to take them in a more mundane way. And a really good example that I've seen many times is yoga. And for those of you who are on this path that we practice here, but, you know, those who follow other teachers or don't have a particular guru or teacher, this applies to all spiritual teachings and teachers. But Yogananda taught these exercises called the Energization Exercises and i can't tell you how many times i've heard people say well these are just physical exercises i go to the gym you know he invented these you know almost 100 years ago exercise has gotten a lot of progress since then but in fact there's a really deep profound underlying teaching and truth to those exercises that are take them way way beyond just a physical exercise and what krishna is saying if you take with reverence What a guru or teacher gives you, he will give you more and more over time. If you don't listen and just say, okay, this is, I don't need this, this isn't, you know, appropriate now, and we start discarding it, then we will start receiving less and less. And this really has to do with receptivity, not just listening with the ears, but listening with the heart. The third one that Krishna mentions here is those who have no self control. And this is one that is not. Commonly a deal breaker on the spiritual path that I've seen. People who have so li- extreme uh, non-self-control with emotions and addictions, yeah, it would take people away. If you just had too much ice cream yesterday, for example, you're still good to go. It's not <laughs> not a very big deal like that. And so just watch. The reason Yogananda t- said this and why Krishna said this is that when people lack self-control, it causes a lot of restlessness in meditation because it causes emotional turmoil. It makes it very, very difficult to calm the mind. I think we've all experienced this when we're in a very difficult situation in our lives, when we're emotional or upset about something and we go out into nature and we see God's beauty in nature. We can't really become fully absorbed in it because our minds are churning with all these emotions. So those are three of the ones that Krishna talked about, but I'm mostly going to talk about the two most important ones which he said are those who render no service and those who have no devotion. Because these are the two that really cut to the very, very core of spiritual growth and the spiritual life, and really even just human growth in the human life. They're both tied together by the common quality of giving. True, deep, selfless service to others is the purest form of giving that there is without any thought of what one is receiving. Devotion also, in the highest sense in the purest sense, is that pure giving of the self with love and self-offering, again, without any thought of what one is receiving in return. I'm going to read one of my favorite little passages from Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, partly because his language is so... Delightfully funny and self deprecating, but also it's a great teaching. It's his teaching on the attitude of service to others. Yogananda writes From transient teachers of my earlier life, I had imbibed a few erroneous lessons. A chela, or disciple, I was told, need not concern himself strenuously over worldly duties. When I had neg- neglected or carelessly performed my tasks, I was not chastised. Human nature finds such instruction very easy of assimilation. Under Master's, his guru's unsparing rod, however, I soon recovered from the agreeable delusions of irresponsibility. And his guru remarks Those who are too good for this world are adorning some other, Sri Teshwar remarked. So long as you breathe the free air of earth, you are under obligation to render grateful service. He alone who has fully mastered the breathless state is freed from cosmic imperatives. I will not fail to let you know when you have attained the final perfection. (laughs) (laughs) This phrase, render grateful service, Uh, my wife Maria, who many of you know, she passed away a few years ago. We had a few sort of mantras in our life. And one of them was render grateful service. When we were dragging ourselves to work and we didn't want to go to the office or there was a chore that was difficult, this phrase would just come from one of us to the other one, and that was all we needed, just remind ourselves that those who are too good for this world are adorning some other, and just simply to see life in the spirit of giving rather than the, experience, the spirit of thinking of oneself. And we can make any act sacred in our spirit of giving. We also had this uh, it was her way of inspiring me to render grateful service, and I've shared this before, so some of you have heard this, but once a week we would have to clean the house, and my part of the job was to part of it was to clean the kitchen and the bathroom and clean the toilets, and Maria saw that my motivation was not always really extreme, and Often the morning of the evening when we were to do our chores, she would start acting like she was a child about to go to Disneyland with just breathless anticipation and excitement. And she would say, you know what we get to do tonight? You know what we're going to do? As if like she was going to go to Disneyland that night. And, and I would play along with the gag and say, what, what are we going to do? And she would say with breathless excitement, we get to clean the Guru's ashram. And it was her way of saying that cleaning the toilets, cleaning the bathroom, even in your own home, it's a sacred act when it's entered into the spirit of grateful service to God. And we can make any one of our jobs, any one of our chores into the same when we do it with the spirit of giving. And you will find that when we enter into anything with the spirit of giving and self offering, the little self becomes smaller, our problems become smaller. Because we become absorbed into the greater self, we become absorbed into God, and this is why grateful service to others and why devotion and self-offering are really have the same core. And you've seen again over the years at Ananda that occasionally someone doesn't think that they, I think they think that they're not uh, they're 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 not they're too worthy to be doing simple service, cleaning toilets cleaning bathrooms, working in the kitchen. And you see sometimes this resentment and this thinking that these things are not sacred and they're mundane, and I came to meditate. Swami Kriyananda, you think that uh, this would not happen with Yogananda, this great master, but Swami Kriyananda said there was one disciple who would meditate many, many hours a day, literally. And this is what caused him to leave Yogananda, because one day finally... He was raking leaves and he just threw down the rake and he said, I didn't come here to rake leaves and he stormed out of there and and left Yogananda of all things just because of this simple attitude that Krishna was talking about, a deal breaker on the spiritual path. The other one is devotion. Again, devotion in its purest sense is this pure, complete self-offering unto God. This really is yeah and Yogananda talked about this. Swami Kriyananda talked about this is really the greatest quality that anyone can develop on the spiritual path. It's interesting because when we come onto the spiritual path, it's a real conundrum i I accuse God of pulling a bait and switch on us. I don't know if everyone knows what a bait and switch is, but it's it's when a car ad promotes a new car for an incredibly low price. It's almost too good to be true. And you go to the car lot, and the guy says, oh, we just sold that car, but we've got this junker over here that you can overpay for. And, And the whole idea was to entice you to come to the car lot. And the conundrum here is that to get onto the spiritual path, people come onto it because of what we're going to get from it. And we're thinking of ourselves to some extent. And naturally, it's how God entices us, because we're being offered bliss and freedom and joy and spiritual growth, and that entices us to come onto the spiritual path. And many, many people go through this experience, this phase, the honeymoon phase of the spiritual path that we talk about, where people do experience really deep spiritual experiences and divine bliss and really deep meditations. And it's not uncommon, in fact it's probably more common than not, that it's all suddenly taken away and people go into this long, what some of the saints have called the long, dry middle ground of the spiritual path. And it doesn't have to be a long middle ground. There's a very interesting story about Krishna and his devotee Radha. And Radha was a great lover of Krishna and there were other devotees of Krishna. But Krishna had a particular deep connection to her. And one day all the devotees were dancing with Krishna, and Krishna picked up Radha, and she felt the embrace of the Lord, and she felt loved, and she felt how she must be really special because God really loved her so deeply. And as soon as that thought of herself came, because previously she had been thinking of God as in the form of Krishna, as soon as the thought of self came, Krishna dematerialized, and she just went right to the ground with a thud. And drop to the ground. And this really, I think, is actually describes what happens when this honeymoon period ends. We start thinking about how much we're getting out of it and, oh, I'm feeling bliss and God really loves me. And that is where the sort of the bait and switch happens. Because I think God brings us to this point and then says, and the really deeper and the most pure way of finding me is to give. And then we need to learn that lesson. I had this experience where uh, soon after I came to Ananda, I'd been here about two years, and then my meditations just suddenly became completely dry and boring and dull. And I, at the time, there was no Internet, but I thought that I should bring a newspaper into my meditation room because at least I could learn something while I was there (laughs) and get something out of it. And this went on for a long time about a year or two and you know I was part of the monastery we were meditating for hours a day and it was a a really really difficult challenging period and I think looking back what happened was is that God materialized, and I hit with a thud back uh, down on the ground because I was thinking of what I was getting out of it and at a certain point I finally realized you know I'm not getting anything out of this when I sit to meditate I'm just you know counting sheep or whatever my mind was doing. But I can give, and I can give what little devotion and love I feel, my attention, I can give that to God. And as soon as I started doing that, it completely turned around. My meditation started to become joyful again, as long as I was thinking about giving. And this is the lesson that God wants to give us, especially as we are hearing with Krishna today, with devotion, and with rendering grateful service, is that Spiritual growth ultimately comes when we give of ourselves. And that's really the highest spiritual growth. The beginning, I think, the experiences that God gives us are just to kind of awaken these experiences and awaken our true nature. But then God says, okay, now that you get the idea, this is what I want you to do. I want you to learn how to give and how to love without thinking of yourself. There's a really very strange chant that I think it's strange I still think it's strange after all these years that Yogananda used to sing and it was a chant it's called Divine Mother's Song to the Devotee and it is quoting Divine Mother singing to her child and she says O Devotee I can give thee salvation but not my love and devotion for when I give these away I give myself away I forget the rest what's that? Ask of me salvation, but not my love and devotion, for when I give those away, I give myself away. So, essentially, and again, it's a strange chant, and what Swami Kriyananda says about this chant, he says that really what God is saying is that I really want to give you my devotion and my love, because that's much more valuable than salvation which we have that flipped around. We think, well, once I become free, that's all I want. But God is saying that devotion, self-offering, giving is the greatest gift that I can give you. And it's uh, really the highest spiritual growth comes and the greatest bliss and the greatest freedom when we give ourselves in service and self-offering and devotion because at that point we truly... Merge back into God as long as we're thinking of what we're getting out of it. There's still that separation There's a Catholic saint That Swami Kriyananda mentioned in this context It was st. Teresa of Luzo who she said that She wanted to go to hell Because she wanted there to be one person in hell who would love God and She was either delusional to think that she could go to hell, and whether hell exists or not, she was describing what we think of as hell, that she wanted to go there. Either she was delusional or she was a saint. And in fact, when you look at the stories of some saints who lived in the concentration camps during World War II, there were some people who became saints, and you could probably say that was a hell that they were living in. And I think some of these saintly souls actually chose this life in that lifetime to go there. And there was one who was a disciple of Yogananda who was in a concentration camp. And his whole time in that concentration camp was one of giving to others and not thinking of himself. And before he went into the concentration camp, he was actually a part of the resistance there in uh, Switzerland, I think. And the Germans were starting to kill the residents of this town because... They had killed some of the soldiers, the Nazi soldiers, and so they were going to kill as many residents of the town as the soldiers had been killed. And this disciple of Yogananda went to the Germans and said, this man over here has a family, and he the man who you're going to kill. I don't. Kill me instead. Execute me instead. I give my life in place of his. And the German officer, who he said this to, said at that moment, I realize we're not going to win this war with people like you on the other side. And he's saying with people like you who are saints on the other side. So this is this the road to saintliness, is giving, devotional self-offering, and they are the same. Selfless service, selfless giving, devotion and meditation. Try to see even meditation in a way as a form of karma yoga. I do this all the time where I, In karma yoga, the term karma yoga is based on a phrase, nishkam karma, which is action without attachment or desire to the fruits of your actions. And what this means is that when you act purely in a sense of giving without any single thought of what you are getting out of it, you become free. You become free of karma. You become free of bondage. And try to see meditation that way, purely as an act of when we do the techniques, when we practice Uh, communion after techniques, pure, simple, devotional self-offering. And eventually, when you do this to perfection with the purest giving of your hearts, eventually it becomes the goal of yoga. Yoga means union. And the way we reach that union is by offering ourselves into the divine, into the light, holding nothing back until we merge into God. And so let's practice all of these teachings that we've been given Whatever your spiritual path, receive with reverence, practice with devotion, serve others with the same devotion, think nothing of yourself, and that is the greatest way to freedom. And may we all be blessed by these teachings and these practices. Aum. Amen.